Welcome to Creative On Purpose Live. These conversations are about cultivating greater fulfillment in equanimity and endeavors that make a difference. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Onward and head coach at Akimba Workshops. You can also find me as chief difference maker at Creative On Purpose. You can visit creativeonpurpose.com to learn how to, how different, I'm sorry, to learn how difference makers like you can solve burnout and overwhelm by making better decisions. And since Scott can't talk today, let's go ahead and introduce our guest, Sarah Man Manuel. Please introduce yourself to our viewers. Tell them who you are, what you're up to these days, and where can they go to learn more about you and the difference that you're making? Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So uh, I am up to quite a bit these days, um, but who I am first, I guess, would be helpful, right? So um, my name is Sarah Manuel, and I have lived my life in a wheelchair. I was diagnosed with um, a genetic disease that was supposed to um, end my life by age four or five, and here I am at age 45. So clearly the doctors didn't know everything that they were talking about. And I have just always been the type of person that has figured out a way to get done the things that I want to have done in my life. So for me, that has included a full-time profession. I'm a school psychologist. Um, by day, I'm a life purpose coach and a children's book author um, in my spare time. I've been married 20 years to a fantastic guy I met in a chat room online back in 1999 when it was not the cool or the safe thing to do scared my parents to death and I have a 10 year old son which again I defied the wisdom quote unquote wisdom of doctors got pregnant carried him full term and he is a thriving healthy child so and you can find more about me at sarahmanuel.com and I uh, also on interest in uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook fantastic Sarah I was really struck when your assistant reached out to me and shared a little bit of your story. Um, my 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 story about uh, brevity of life is not nearly as dramatic or uh, true as yours. But I remember Sister Mary Agnes said I would never live to be older than thirty, and here I am, fifty-seven or twenty-seven years past that date. Um, and one of the things that I often will joke about is that I've actually made it this long just to spite Sister Mary Agnes. Uh, you, on the other hand, you defied some really serious and scientific odds. I'm just curious about what what do the doctors or what do you attribute um, your longevity in the face of a really, really dire uh, prognosis early in your life? Well, I think, first of all, they just had the... Um the severity of my disease wrong. They thought I was more of a type one, more severe. Um, I have spinal muscular atrophy, which is one of the muscular dystrophy diseases. And they categorize the severity by the type. So type one would be the most severe. And I have type two because I've never walked. If I walked, I would be a type three. So I'm right in the middle. Um, but I'm what you would call a strong type two. I am... Um, I don't, I'm not hooked up to like feeding tubes or breathing machines all day. I am very, very fortunate. And I attribute a lot of that to God and to having a higher purpose, a bigger purpose than what anybody could imagine when I was four or five with that expiration date on my head. 
Um, but here I am. So there must be a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I love, love that. I also have a sense, um, and I want to talk a little bit about what, how purpose plays into uh, your life, your work, and, and how you, you define that. But I, I, I sense a strong sense of volition or will uh, and uh, appreciation in, in your story as well. I'm just curious before we dive into purpose, um, what is it, you know, what, what is it that, that, that fuels that desire to achieve so much that, you know, that you've achieved even as you were negotiating the, the difficulties of, ha of life in a wheelchair? Well, I don't like it when people tell me no. So um, you call it will, uh, my parents and my husband would call it stubbornness and I would tend to agree. Um, but if you're gonna tell me I can't do something, I'm gonna go out of my way to find a way and to prove to you that I can. And it may not look the same way that it looks for other typical people, but it will have met the same, the same purpose in my life or met the same goal or checked that same box um so yeah don't tell me no because you're just setting me up to to prove you wrong i get it i get it uh on a good day uh when people are being kind they they, they will call me persistent but i know that most of the time behind my back they're calling me stubborn as well yes. so I, I totally get get that you mentioned purpose and as a brand that's called Creative on Purpose, obviously purpose is a subject near and dear to our hearts here. And I'm just curious, when you use that word, what, how do you define that term? And where have, where for you have you found or cultivated purpose um, in the, the work that you're doing? For me, purpose is living my life the way that God intended. Um, it is, you know, I'm not like the type of YOLO type, short-term type of thinking type of person. I I see a goal and I will do what I have to do to to take those baby steps to, to make sure that I can achieve that goal. Or if I can't, I kind of, maybe I realize on the way that maybe it's not quite right. Maybe I wanted it for reasons that were other than what's true to my purpose and maybe I'll alter it or, or what have you. But I think there's a lot of self-awareness in purpose also. And it, it just, it, to me, it has always been such this big, huge thing. Like you need to live with purpose. Like you need to do what makes you happy. You need to do. And to me, like when the experts say, you know, find do what makes you happy to find your purpose. It, it feels so, so false so so fake almost like like okay if it was that easy everybody would live their purpose by eating ice cream all day because who doesn't love ice cream who doesn't you know get happy by eating ice cream especially if you're bummed out right but um so for me it's more of finding joy and living life with joy and realizing why you're here because i what I I was I tried the whole happiness path and that that led me down lots of roads that weren't fruitful. But when I stopped looking for happiness and started looking for fulfillment and joy, that's when I hit Pater. 
I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I wanted to just give a quick shout out to my friend Phil, who is tuning in and uh, giving you a quick amen. I think he was um, both speaking to your, uh, your your spiritual practice, but also what your com comments on living your purpose. Um, and you brought up two words that are also words that we've been discussing here at Creative on Purpose uh, quite a bit, which is joy and how it is different from happiness and i got a sense that you do have you do distinguish that there's a little bit of a difference between those two absolutely to me happiness is more like a reaction to your circumstances if my husband brings me flowers it makes me happy but then if you know something happens in you know the house something goes wrong that happiness is gone because it's so fleeting it's a reaction to your circumstance Whereas joy, you feel it in every moment, the good moments, the, the rough moments, the moments that you wish were different. You still have that underlying feeling of joy. And I used to think it was just this myth. It's like, well, I, I, I just, I don't, I didn't get it. And then when I got it, I got it. And so now I find myself on that same quest for the sense of peace. Um, because I've always be, been that achiever, been trying to meet those goals, been trying to prove people wrong. And I feel like maybe I'm getting ahead of myself or getting ahead of God. And I, I am feeling the need to kind of press the brakes a little bit and let God do his thing. And um, I think that's where I'm hoping I will find that sense of peace that I am looking for right now. I love that, uh, and I couldn't agree more about the the um, differentiation. I mean, happiness is is a natural emotion that we experience when things go our way or when we have a you know an ex a surprising and delightful experience, and we should be allow, allow ourselves to experience happiness. The the problem, I as I see it, is if we cling to the desire to have happiness all the time. I mean, happiness is usually very short lived and it can't be sustained for a long time. Joy, on the other hand, which I heard you alluding to, is something that we can nurture and cultivate and sustain even as we face the inevitable challenges and adversities of life uh, and, and, and weave our way through all the uncertainties. Um, we can experience this joy, and you mentioned gratitude, and I think gratitude is a really uh, important element of living joyfully choosing to live joyfully and i love what you said uh I, you know i think the we talk a creative on purpose and, and a lot of our work we talk about equanimity like you can experience a sense of calm uh and um a sense of you know kind of an even hum even as you're negotiating all the the challenges uh you know both the victories and the vicissitudes of your day so really really appreciate um those distinctions i wanted to to to, to weave in also sarah a little bit of your creative work because when i was looking at your site um i i saw what looked like a really delightful children's book um mm -hmm. but i also know that you express your creativity in your relationships through um, your coaching practice. I wonder if you would just unpack a little bit more about what creative endeavors that you're engaged in right now. Yeah, well, my children's book is called Differences Are Dynamite. And 
So the way I found my purpose is when I stopped denying who I was. So um, let me delve into that a little bit further. Um, I grew up in a really small town and I was like, there were 35 people in my high school class, small, like really, like less than a thousand people. So I was of course the only one um, my age in a wheelchair. So I grew up not seeing other people in wheelchairs or any sort of disability. So when we would go to the city, cause that's what country folk call the big, big cities. When we would go to the city, um, I would, you know, see other people in, in, with disabilities and it would make me feel really uncomfortable because it was like holding up a mirror to myself and I couldn't deny my reality where I was at home because I was the only one I could, you know, I could do, you know, probably, probably make myself believe more than anyone else that I was just like everyone else, that there was no difference. And that's a healthy attitude to some degree. But when it gets to the point where it got for me to be a state of denial, um, that part isn't healthy. Like I would call and make restaurant reservations and my parents would ask, well, is it wheelchair accessible? I'm like, I don't know. Why would I ask that? So I'd have to call back. And it, so I was denying that part of myself that was so purposely created for me. And when I stopped denying it, like that's when my whole world of purpose opened up. And I think everybody, and not just people with disabilities, but I think everybody has parts of themselves that they deny because they don't fit in with society or with their family or with their friend group. So they downplay that part of themselves or they completely pretend it's not there. But I really think that when we can acknowledge and celebrate that part of ourselves rather than, you know, pretending that it doesn't exist, that's where our purpose comes in because we were given that difference for a reason. So that's what the book is about. It's about animal friends who celebrate each other's differences rather than being embarrassed or ashamed about them and how to celebrate them. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's really, really profound. What I'm hearing is that there was a moment where um, you were able to cultivate some acceptance for your situation and you know that you know and acceptance is different than settling for or uh it, it you know that acknowledgement um is what allowed you to then start to leverage the difference and to celebrate it and to use it uh, apply it purposefully towards the writing of your book and and to just your your daily pursuits is that is that a fair read Absolutely. And I remember a conversation with one of my friends because when I was growing up, like I remember like when I was really, really little, um, I remember that my parents took me to some healing services and for them it didn't work because I didn't start walking. But looking back now, it's like, who's to say it didn't work? Look at how strong and healthy I am despite my disease at this point. And my friend told me, you know, the healings didn't work because you weren't a mistake. And I'm sure I'd heard that message before over the years, but when she said it in that moment, it resonated with me. And it's like, okay, being in a wheelchair and having this disease, yeah, it may not, it may not be the greatest thing, but it wasn't a mistake. 
There is a reason for me to be in the situation I am in and I'm going to find out what it is and, and, and sort of use that as my purpose. I love that. Thank you very much for leaning into that a little bit more and sharing that, Sarah. I, I'm curious too a little bit, if, if, you, if you don't mind, I'm, you know, as a coach myself and as someone that advocates coaching and celebrates um, the diversity of coaching out there, would you mind sharing a little bit about y- your coaching practice and, and you know, how, you, how it looks in, in practice? Yeah, so I help people go through that process themselves of what are they denying about themselves? What do they wish wasn't that way about them and helping them to take that and kind of flip it on its head and say, okay, instead of being ashamed of this, how can I celebrate it? How can I embrace it and make it part of my life story rather than like a footnote? Because if you're given that difference, it should be part of your life story. It should be something that you embrace, that you that you really use to cultivate um, your your life and kind of design your life around it rather than designing your life around avoiding it. I love that. What I'm hearing is that you help people frame obstacles and challenges as opportunities and uh and and find the possibility and i think that's really really powerful one of the things that we have discussed quite a bit in our community is although we are deeply saddened by the amount of suffering that has happened as a result of covid and and sad even more so because much of it probably could have been avoided had we approached it differently um the, the the pandemic has provided us a reminder, a powerful reminder, I think, that number one, we, we had been taking far too much for granted and we had had a great deal of abundance that we weren't as grateful for as we, we probably should have been. And it was a powerful reminder for how important um, human to human contact and connection is and you know the the age of social distancing and not being able to go to school not being able to go to the workplace um, you know thank goodness we had these powerful digital tools where we could still maintain some semblance of that um, but again you know there's always an opportunity even uh, even in the very darkest moments and I, I love that you're holding space and 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 helping people. Um, with with that kind of work, is there anything else going on in your in your creative life right now that you'd like to that that you'd like to share? Are you working on any other books or, or um, also? Yeah, have- I have some um, more children's books in the works that I'm thinking about. Um, I'm also thinking about writing a book for adults that kind of explains or kind of talks about my life story and how to use the process I went through um, to help other people find their purpose more creatively. Because I mean, that's what the purpose of a coach is, right? They, they help you find the shortcuts. You don't have to go through all those years of, of torture and misery trying to find it because it's not, when, when you don't have purpose in your life, like what am I gonna be when I grow up? Um, it, you just feel so lost and so out of touch with who you are and what what the point of everything is. So I think the sooner someone can find their purpose and begin to live their life with purpose, 
and the quality of their life will increase infinitely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it reminds me of a discussion I had um, earlier this week with uh, Beth Fitzgerald, who was on the broadcast, where uh, the way that purpose is often discussed. And, and did I hear correctly, Sarah, that you are a school psychologist? Yes. And is that a, at the high school level or college level, elementary? That is kindergarten through age 22. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, so... I'm, I'm curious about your take on this because I've been thinking about like where, so oftentimes with young people in particular, I remember, you know, adults telling me as a, a college student, a high school student, and even younger, um, you got to find your purpose. You got to find your passion. And sometimes they said, you got to find it like it's, it's out there, go find it. And mm -hmm. sometimes they said it's inside you, you got to excavate it. And, I just really, really struggled with that. And I, you know, I, I chose a purpose because I, I felt like I had to, and that purpose was actually teaching. Um, and I was a school teacher for the first several years out of college and then found that my true purpose was in music making and performing. And then later in life, uh, in the last five years, found it in coaching. And so I've been thinking more and more recently about purpose not really being this destination, the way some people describe it, or purpose being this thing inside you that you have to somehow excavate, but it's something that is nurtured and cultivated by doing the work right in front of you, engaging in the relationships right around you with purpose and passion. If you can bring purpose and passion to your everyday activities, your everyday conversations, more purposeful um, reveal itself and and purpose and passion become become clear just like talking and walking and riding a bike and learning to read and write become clear you you learn it by doing it um, right. curious about your take on that and and I'm guessing that in your work as a as a school psychologist that purpose um, you know helping young people, wrestle with purpose-driven like purpose-driven living but also finding their purpose and, and living their purpose through through work and in their relationships any any thoughts on on how we can do a better job helping young people live work and engage with purpose on purpose for a purpose with and for others yeah well i think you um had a similar experience and i as i did because i and looking back now and looking, it's almost like the school set kids up for failure because first of all, they tell you your your path in life needs to be your purpose, like your career and your purpose need to be intertwined. So you're telling an 18-year-old whose brain is not done developing even, go figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And in the meantime, we're going to just, you know, charge you tons and tons and tons of money while you figure it out while you go to college. And it's just, it's crazy. And I, I went to that, like, I um, went to college and I was studying interior design because I had, I always shared a room with my brother. So like going and getting an apartment was the first time I got to decorate a house. So it's like, oh, this is fun. I'm going to do this for my job. And then I got into it and it was fun, but it's like, okay, that's not, that's not what I'm supposed to do. So then I decided to double major in journalism because I was always good at writing. 
But then again, it's like, okay, what, what am I going to do? I don't want to be a journalist. Like, I don't want to work for a newspaper. That's not what I want to do. So then I went to law school and I was there for a semester and a half. And I met my husband just before I started. And there was a point one day where a professor basically talked about the amount of hours that you had to work to make partner. And like, we've already talked about if I'm going to do something, I do it like full force. And so I was going to be a partner. I was going to be the youngest partner they ever had. And so it's like, okay, I could have a life or I could be a lawyer. So then I decided, okay, this isn't for me. And it took me so many years to figure it out. And in the meantime, I felt like such a, a loser. Like, who doesn't know what they want to do for their life? Look at all my friends. They got their degrees. They're, do, they're working. They're doing their thing. Why can't I do the same thing? So I really feel like those expectations set us up for failure. And if instead we can just embrace the life journey, and like you said, set up purposeful experiences that will help us to, to kind of figure it out maybe earlier, just take the pressure off. Because I don't necessarily think that your job has to be your purpose. Mm -hmm. like I feel there are other outlets in life where you can live your purpose without, like, you don't have to, like, quit your job today and go, you know, become a nun of that. You know, you know it's just, it's not, it's not all or nothing. And I think sometimes our society says it is, and I, I disagree with that. That is brilliant. I couldn't agree more. We're coming to the end of our time here, Sarah. And the, the last question I always ask, and, and I want to first articulate that you have already shared um, a, a bunch of insight and inspiration for people like us that tune into shows like this that want to uh, either, either aspire to um, develop and deliver the difference only they can make or want to advance in the difference that they're already making. And if there was just one final tip or piece of uh, information or inspiration that you would have for someone who, like you, wants to define, develop, and deliver the difference only they could make, what would that be? It would be that your circumstances don't have to dictate your reality. For me, my circumstances could have very well dictated that I was going to live with my parents forever. There wasn't anybody out there who would love me because who would love someone that they would have to help take care of? that, you know, I could have listened to what the doctors and the professionals were saying about not taking a risk and getting pregnant. I could, you know, my life could look very different if I let my circumstances dictate my reality. And I think we need to step outside of it and maybe look from an outsider's perspective and always ask, well, okay, what can I do? Where can I start? What's my entry point and go from there? And because that's going to be different for everyone. And if it looks different than what is typical or what society expects, that's okay. If, if you're finding fulfillment and joy and purpose. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Sarah. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Sarah and I really appreciate the gift of your time and attention. And we hope that today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage. You can learn more about Sarah and the difference that she's making over here at sarahmanuel.com. And of course, it's always fantastic to see you at creativeonpurpose.com. Now, 
Please take the insight and inspiration from this conversation and fly higher in the difference only you can make. Sarah Manuel, thank you so much for the gift of your time and attention and all the insight and inspiration you provided with us today. Thanks so much for having me. I had a great time. I love talking about purpose. <laughs> Thanks.